Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So, Sammy, feedback from the lads. I want to hear more from you. Do you remember? We were talking to Luke. Oh, yeah. At the park. Oh, yeah. You're having a lads lunch today, don't you? Pardon? They're having a lads lunch today. Did you not get invited? (sighs) You should have exchanged numbers with the lads. Luke followed me on Instagram. Maybe message him. You should message him. Just say, say, why didn't I get invited to the lunch today that Evie just told me about? Thanks. Yeah. It was Rick actually who organised and then, it. And Rick organised it. Yeah, and then Luke was Luke kept going. Lads day, lads day. Matt did too. It was really fun. And Matt was doing it too. It's <laughs> just the boys. Lads day. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't get invited. No, that's Rick. Sad. That's so no, sad because I just got a text from Adzi this morning that went, "Sorry, I can't come to college launch today. Going on a lads lunch." <sighs> So rude. Hi, welcome to Chick Street. <sighs> Heavy breather. Jeez. Mouth breather. Who are you today? Um, I'm Dan Andrews today. Oh, I'm... What's his wife's name? He mentioned her... Catherine. I think it's Christine. I'm Catherine. Oh. Hey, Siri, what's Dan Andrews' wife's name? Stan Andrews? I don't even know a Stan Andrews. <laughs> Stan Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I think it, it is Catherine. Catherine Andrews. Dan Andrews' wife's name. Go. Is it? God, this is... Catherine! Great show so far. They were married in 1998. Oh, that's great. Not sure why I'm doing an accent. That was really good. I can't get comfortable. I feel like I can't see you. I'm going like that. It's a bit hot in here, isn't it? Oh, now she wants it back on. Jesus. Welcome to Chick Street. Welcome. (laughs) My name's uh, Catherine Andrews. And I'm Dan Andrews. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Um, Yeah, just uh, great news about the no masks. Oh, I can't. Outside. It can't, it can't come at a better time. Why? Because I haven't been wearing one outside. Look, I'm going to admit it. I do have it around my neck, like you can oh, see right now. And if people come close, I pop it on. But when I'm out in the park with the dogs, I'm like, I, I can't. I just get so overheated in that yeah. damn thing that I've started to sweat underneath it. Yeah. And you know what I'm like. I know what you like. Schwitzer from hell. Schwitzing from Switzerland. Switzerland. Like that uh, time. Schwedi sister. That time we went to Bali and you just schwitzed the whole time. There was this time we were in Bali. We were at this Greek restaurant. Of course we were in um, Bali. <laughs> and Drinking, uh, it was drinking a, it blue was a, cocktails. Yeah, you know, like the, they make it look like a taverna. From Greece, from the yeah. Greece islands. And um, I'm just sweating. And Annie's like, just looking at me. And she's like, Are you going to wipe that? And I went, Why? <laughs> Why? Just going to have to wipe it again. Because I'm just going to have to wipe it again. <laughs> and she's like, I don't want to look. I said, Well, darling, don't, don't look. look. Don't As Gina Liano would say in about 10 years' time, Darling, don't look. Just don't look, darling. What's happening this week with you? So, oh, it's so my birthday on Thursday. 
It was. Okay, let's start that again. It was your birthday week this week. <laughs> I forgot. Let's keep that in, Sam. <laughs> um, so it was your birthday week this week. What did you get up to for your birthday? Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I had such a nice birthday. I mean, every year yeah. we have nice birthdays. Do you know yeah. there is... Unless something bad happens to you, there is no way you can have a bad birthday anymore with social media. You just can't. You just, I know. No one can. No, exactly. You feel like the most important person Yeah. because everyone just says the nicest things to you and they give you shit and they tell you stuff that they may not have ever told you before. And it's just lovely. Sometimes, sorry about that, it's a screw. Um, That was a screwdriver um sometimes they just say happy birthday and you know what that's enough yeah yeah that's or enough. just just hat birth oh hb yeah or hb hby yeah. hby yeah hbyj and that's enough oh yj oh no that's hbyj isn't it isn't it unfortunate that westfield bundy junction is wbj yeah <laughs> Anchor blowjob. <laughs> BJ's. Um, so I had BJ's. such a nice dinner. Mm-hmm. We were going to have a pub. We were going to do a pub. Mm-hmm. Someone clued me in that it was going to be 33 degrees. Mm-hmm. So we decided to change it a couple of days before to a picnic. Mm. Now, can I just say, Melbourne, you know how to do outside things. They do now. And, I mean, they always have. Yeah. Compared to Sydney, that's where I'm from. That's where you're from as yeah. well. But we can compare these things yeah. because, you know, there's places in Sydney like Botanic Gardens and the Centennial Park and yeah. all these amazing public places they do shit all with. Yes, yes. But don't you think it's more because of COVID? No. That they've started doing a lot of... No. Because that pop-up bar is only because of COVID. No, it's not. Really? No, apparently it's been every year. You know the pub that we went to last year on the beach? I don't believe you. You know the pop-up bar on the beach? That had nothing to do with COVID. No, not that. The one we went to for your birthday. Yeah, no, I spoke to someone. That goes every year. Oh, okay. Because when I spoke to, I think Meg Popple. Don't yell at me. She said, um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. They do that every year. Mm. And that's what I mean. They just utilise okay. spaces. Okay. The difference with what we've Melbourne's done with lockdown this time is they've taken the spots off the side of the road and popped big decks out there for mm. chairs and tables, which is brilliant. It is brilliant. I, I went to that. the I went to the Prince yesterday afternoon uh, and went up onto the rooftop. Oh, was it nice? And they've popped a bar up there. That's a see on the rooftop. Was it like Secret the Life of Us? It was in the car park. Was it Secret Life of Us esque? Yeah. It was lovely. They had um, a bar. They had a they had a barbecue. Like oh. you could all order pa- like a pizza oven. They you had could order a pizza oven. How many ovens did they have? They had about fifty. You could just order one if you wanted. You pop it near your table. Is that true? No. <laughs> no, dog friendly. Dogs everywhere. Upstairs on, on the, the roof. Well, not because the prince has a swisho rooftop. This yeah. is in the car park. This is know. in their car park that they've turned into oh, a bar. So good. Um, it was great. It's yeah. like a cookout. It was so lovely. The and the sunset was beautiful up oh, there. And yes. Had a couple of um, beverage jars with our mate Matt. And, that would have um, been lovely. It was lovely. Because the last time you were at the Prince with our mate Matt, yeah. you were at the bottom. We're at the bottom. Like sitting outside. Yeah. So it's lovely that you've gone up, you know, you've, yeah. done, you've done the round and round. Yeah. yeah, and for the St Kilda Festival we got tickets to the... Um, 
the rooftop mm. and we went to see a DJ um, who said Norman, Sammy J. Norman, Norman, Normie J, Norman J. God. Fat boy Slim. I, no, <laughs> it was someone and I... And I thought I was really cool and I knew who it was. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's go see that DJ. Was, I think it was with, like, Maddie, Maddie and Phil. So I was like, yeah, we've got tickets to this DJ. And there was so many of the young kids. And um, and then there was this guy standing next to the decks. And I was like, God, I wonder, I wonder when the DJ is going to get here. And they're like, uh, Annie, um, that's him. That's him. He's and I was 12. like, oh, I was expecting someone completely different. What were you? But I had been pretending that I knew who he was all day. Yeah. Well, the thing about DJs is they just look like blokes on the bus, don't they? Well, no, because this DJ looks like a Rastafarian guy. Oh, right. Well, that's Um, And (laughs) big black guy. Oh, right. With big hair. You so you can't miss him. And he's very, like, if you knew the DJ, you would know that that's yeah. what he looks like. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh, where's the DJ? Where's the DJ? And they're like, you can't miss him. Are you serious? So anyway, proved my uh, age. age. <laughs> so yeah, birthday, great, tick. Um. <laughs> I went and um, had a meeting with a place that wants to dress me. Oh, yep. Apparently I can't dress myself. <laughs> no. Um, love companies get in touch and say, can we, you know, dress you for events and things like, love things of that nature. And uh, I was like, yeah, I looked at their lookbook, that's what you call it. And right. uh, I thought, you know, this, these clothes are beautiful, but they are not me. Like, mm. I'm not mm. going to look good in these. But I, they were really insistent and they were so lovely that I was like, I'm going to come along mm. and pretty much proved to you guys that you don't want to dress me. Yeah, you just kind of wanted to shut it down. I did because yeah. I thought they'll get it. They'll see these yeah. clothes. Our clothes are not going to sell now mm. on this woman. Yeah. Well, they were beautiful and so I put good. things on that I would never have tried on. What did you learn? Well, I learned that you should just always give something a go. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, you know, know yourself. I did say yeah. at one point, I don't do dresses like that, but I put it on to prove it to them. Yeah. And they went, yeah, you're yeah, right. No. They said, we've got plenty of other things, though, that'll suit you. And they really did. And they were beautifully made. Oh, that's so good. You know, fashion. Jeez, haven't we missed that? When, where, I know. where did that come from? We didn't get to do that growing up. No, we were. No, we were Kmart girls. Because you hire quite a few things every now and then. Your um, caftans. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. Yeah, beautiful. But, yeah, these are things that you can't afford Mm. to just go and buy. Such a good idea. It's a great idea, the hire, Mm. because Mm. you really don't wear things more than once or twice. I do, much to my mother, Susan Beryl's chagrin. Um, She, every, maybe every five years, her and dad would sit me down and go, look, we're going to give you some money to go shopping. I'm like, I don't need anything. Mum would go, you do. (laughs) Because if I see that fucking jumper (laughs) one more time. You do love to just out. Where you know something. me? You remember my visor? Over it. You remember it? The holiday visor. If I, I, I wish I still had that. It broke yeah. in half. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I would still be wearing it. 
The vacation visor that you got in years. Perth. Jesus, you just... And he got one as well. She got a black one, I got a brown one. Shit out of that. She had life. no idea what the future was about to hold for her. She was going to have to look at that brown visor for the next decade. And I did. Yeah. It was almost just part of you Oh, every summer. I love things and I don't... That's the one things I, I, I hold on to. But I've always been that... Um, I don't understand why people would buy something and not wear it or buy something and wear it once. Mm, and the, mm, But that's where mm. the higher thing comes in really, really well. Yeah. For me, it, that's it, good. that is a really good alternative yeah. for people who buy things, waste money and wear them once. Well, I mean, just, yeah, like I think I was saying to you, I went to Chadston for the first time oh, out yes. of lockdown. And can we just talk about you found, nearly found a Harris farm, didn't oh. you? <sighs> if anyone's listening and they're yeah. from Sydney... But no, you know what? If anyone's listening from Melbourne, yeah, but I was and just going to say what it well, was first. Yeah, if anyone is from Sydney and knows Harris Farm, how bloody good it is, and Melbourne just doesn't have them. They don't have them. And God, I miss Harris Farm. So do I. I really do. So if anyone knows, if anyone in Melbourne knows, knows. Harris Farm in Sydney and how good they are, mm. please let us know the alternative here mm. because mm. so far we can't find them. I came close, though, yeah. that one at Chadston, that, that grocer. Looked, that looked pretty good. That was pretty good. They didn't have the yogurt, though. Oh, that yogurt. Oh, that yogurt so Jesus, with the All the cheeses the and, the, the, and, meats the, and the, the meats and the, and the pasta and The deli oils. and the... Oh. Oh and the breads and the pies. Oh, the po- and the ho- yeah, just fresh, fresh oh, everything. The fish, the quality oh, of the meat and everything. the fish and the oh god. Anyway, look, I'm sure if we went to like a market, you know, like you went to South Melbourne markets, it's sort of similar. Yeah, but it's thing. all it's that's all you got to buy it here, buy it there, buy it, buy it, buy it. Harris Farm is a market where it's you everything. buy everything. Yeah, and the it, one And shop. then you go and pay for it once. Yeah, and cheap too. Like well, the fruit it could and veg. Be. It could be. Yeah, it you could get be good expensive, special. but they have specials. Yeah. Oh, I did a Queen Vic market delivery. Mm-hmm. And that's good because they, they you have like a personal shopper. Oh, they go and get it all for so you. So they go and get it all for you and then you, they, you only pay for everything at the end. Well, That's you great. do the big order mm. from any of the stalls mm. and mm. pay for the whole thing and then they go and get it all for you and deliver it the next day for 15 bucks. That's great. I got a box. Yeah. And how nice was that fish? I tell you what, my fresh fish straight out. Yeah. There's nothing like it. I'll never buy fish from a supermarket True. again. You shouldn't. Ever. Go to the markets, babe. Um I've been watching The Crown. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, I started, you know what, I'm going to call it. What? It's boring. Where did you start from? The very beginning? Mm. Yeah. And I'm... I love it. Almost. I love that so I just last night went to season four, the new one, mm-hmm. because I'm like, I don't care for all the other stuff. But then I was doing a recap. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, no, I do want to watch some of this. But can See? I just watch it like Blinkist? Can I just get a recap, a really good recap version? Yeah. I think go from season like maybe t- two or three. Yeah. When, whenever Helen bon- Bonham Carter yeah. becomes Margaret. Margaret. Okay. Start there. And did you watch any of season four or you just watched the? Oh, I started, but no. Yeah. God. 
Diana and Charles. Yeah. Jesus Did you see them God, on Graham Norton the other Yes. Night? Aren't they great? They're babies. They're Babies, and did you see her outfit? Yes. Did you love it? I loved it. She had tight, she had sheer tights on and black stilettos, and the massive shoulder like what was that puffy material? Sleeves. We used to wear it in the eighties. Taffeta. Taffeta. Oh god, she looked good. But yeah, her Diana is just so good. Yeah. Well, what I've seen so far, it's. it's but his Charles is good. And his Charles is good, yeah. And see when Graham Norton gets them to, to get in, go into the accent, and he's like, yes. hey, what do you do? What's your shortcut to right. get into Charles? And all get right. In? All right. And she always goes down at the end of everything she says. Oh, it was so good. And she, she just always dropped like, into it. had a really it. good day. She's dropped into <laughs> yeah. it straight away. It's very cool. They're all very, very good. I have to say that that is such a... A well-done show. Mm. Like, it's going to stand the test of time. It's, like, yeah. such an amazing documentary yeah. with brilliant actors. But how good is, like, that guy from America that plays Winston Churchill? John Lithgow. <laughs> well, Lithgow. Lithgow. Go, Gow. Have you ever been to Lithgow? And No. Oh, well, there's not much there. I wouldn't bother. And what about, um, <clears throat> what about Gillian Anderson's Thatcher? Oh, my God. Goodness, but I'm the way she talks is quite laboured. Yes, is that really how Margaret Thatcher talked? Yes, have you not seen that bad? Have you never seen Margaret Thatcher? Mm, I don't think so. It's not that bad, it's pretty bad. No, but she does a really spot-on job. A lot of people are saying it's overly laboured, right? But which, and I don't, I'm like, I don't really know because you I have don't to see the I've interview she did of... with George Negus for sixty minutes, <clears throat> Gillian, or <laughs> where Gillian Margaret. did the um, the interview in nineteen eighty two with George Negus mm. as Margaret Thatcher <laughs> while Margaret Thatcher was still in office. It was brilliant. I was like, look at this 12-year-old. That sounds amazing. <laughs> going off. No, I will, I will watch that because I'm interested now to compare because she's, she's got a little bit of backlash. Well, yeah, and Meryl Streep did it as well. Yes, and I haven't Lady. seen The Iron Lady. I'll need to watch that and we compare as well. That. Moving right along to let's, let's, let's do this. Chicken the now. Chicken the now. Chicken the now. Chicken the now. Chicken, chicken the now. Chicken the now. Chicken the now. Chicken the now. Oh, chicken the now. <laughs> Let's move along to the chick in the now. It's very good. I like your version. Thank you, my lady. <laughs> Oh, and just on the Queen, I mean the Crown, how's that guy that breaks into the palace? Because Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Well, yeah, watch it. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. The end. So we got this email, this great email this week. Yes. Um, just to say that um, there was um, a woman that someone oh, – look, let me just start. Yeah. We got an email from a email address called Affinity <laughs> – Tree Solutions, and it was actually from a woman called Chrissy, Christine Rampling, mm-hmm. who said, 
I don't know if you know, but there's this woman called Alice Anderson. She was the first mechanic and... I replied, we do know she's in episode five. So go and have a listen and let us know what you think. Um, And that ep is great, by the way. You know, I've still got friends who who go, I just can't believe that story and, like, what happens in the end. And so if you haven't listened to it. Yeah, go back. Go back. Listen to that episode five. It'll be in our special summer series too. Amazing and heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So... I let her know and she replied that, oh, that's great. I'm going to go and listen, you know, now. And I said, you know, let us know what you think, if you have any feedback or anything. I think she gave us a really nice piece of feedback. Yeah. Which um, I think is really important because we talk about this kind of thing. Um, Our producer, editor Sam, got um, a lovely, friendly email with a bit of feedback about using the word guys Mm, mm, mm. and it made the three of us have a really good conversation an open conversation that was in a few years time are you going to be on the wrong side of history using those kind of pronouns you know um, instead of saying is it inclusive you know we never call an inclusive group of people gals if we do it's normally a put down so that was a really good thing this is along the same lines she's telling us yeah christine was telling us how she is a part of a tradeswoman group Mm -hmm. called salt Mm -hmm. and i said well you know can we follow you but this is a little bit of feedback that she gave first the only bit of feedback I have right now is that it's problematic to say you like you have in your blurb for Alice Anderson's episode that women can do it just as well if not better than men it's not a competition or a comparison it goes along with other some other perpetuations like women are gentler on equipment and don't break things women are better at paperwork and work health and safety a woman on the job site makes men perform better at their jobs. And my pet hate, women have a better attention to detail. It's all not true. A good quality professional tradesperson needs to have all of these qualities. If you are an electrician, regardless of your gender, you better have good attention to detail or you're dead. Um, you can't tell the gender of the person who painted your room, built your kitchen or landscaped your backyard by looking at the completed work. The job is either done to specification or not. I used to say all these things as a young tradie, but with the guidance of other tradeswomen, I soon realised it just paints us into the soft, nurturing novelty that we are currently seen as out on site and in our workplaces. We're actually going backwards in the trades. Mm. The percentage of tradeswomen and apprentice tradeswomen is diminishing. Wow. During war times, we had something like over 40,000 tradeswomen, mostly in munitions factories, and now we barely have 6,000. Jesus. And we have a nationwide trade skills shortage across all trades, with the exception of non-specialist electricians. We are literally running out of tradies, and essentially 50% of the population, women, an untapped resource for the trades, do not believe a career in the trades is possible for them due to current cultures and the patriarchy. Mm. Anyway, that's a Mm. snippet of what we are dealing with in this space. I could not be more thankful for that email. I just think that... very good. I mean, you know, because you and I, we talk about this kind of thing all the time. Do you remember when we did the Monopoly episode with Elizabeth McGee? Yes. And we talked about... We got to the part where... 
there was a Ms. Monopoly made. Yes. And the women got $50 more than the men. And we were in uproars. Well, we don't want more. Yeah. We want to be equal. Let us prove ourselves as an equal. So this I just thought was fantastic. And Christine is a part of a tradeswoman um, group that's called SALT and it stands for... Yeah. Stay with me. Just looking it up. Just looking it up. Just um, having a look at it. Um, supporting and linking tradeswomen. Supporting and linking tradeswomen. Okay. So they go mostly Great. into schools and communities to teach women and girls how to use hand tools and power tools. Okay. Oh, so they have an so Instagram good. page and that is Salt Tradeswomen. Great. So go follow them and that's so cool. get right into them. We've started following them. Yeah. And um, next year maybe when we have guests on the show, we might have someone on the show. At the moment we, um, we just want to give them a shout-out yeah. for Chicks in the Now. Chicks, plural, in the now. In the now. She did want to say that there is one particular woman that she just wanted to do a little shout-out to, and her name is Louise Azopardi. She said she's a great one for us to follow. So um, she, she, by the look of things, what I've seen on Instagram is fantastic. So another woman of a chick in the now. Love it. Inside Chicks in the Now, in the, epi- in the, in the bit segment called Chick in the Now. It's very meta. The end of that. Thank you, Christine, for your email. We really appreciate great. you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was good. It was a good. Um, it was a good little reminder yeah, for it those was. things. And it's these are the kind of mm. things like when we talked with Sam about guys and yeah. that kind of. These are the little things that we, if you're open to this kind of mm. feedback, if you're open to this kind of learning and progressiveness, mm. you can only get better. Yeah. I saw something on Twitter. Um, do you know Pub Choir? Yes. I love Pub Choir. Yeah. The woman that runs at Astrid, lovely girl, but she said she just got an email from someone um, saying when you do the high, like because she always does tutorials, yeah. here's your high bit, here's your low bit, here's your in the middle bit. Yeah. You choose where your voice goes, you learn that part, send us, and then we put it all together. Yeah. There's a men's bit. And there's a ladies bit. So oh, she got an email saying, right. can we not use ladies? Because I'm not a lady. Yeah. I'm a woman. Yes. And she actually responded, oh, my eyes could not have rolled back in my head further. Seriously, people, you know, kind of get a life. Yeah, right. Kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this is not oh. how to respond yeah. to someone making a really good point. Yeah. I'm not a lady either. Yeah. I actually totally agree with that woman. I hate being called a lady. Same. And I'm a woman. And why th- is it men and ladies? It's men and women. Women, yeah. And it's not girls and guys. That's children of those. We're men and women. Yes, yes. You know, it's... Absolutely. Every, every time I used to watch Bachelor in Paradise, I choose this girl because I really like her. And, you know, Love Island did the girl. same thing. I mm. choose this girl. Mm. It's mm. like woman. Yeah, yeah. Say yeah. it. W-O-M-N-E-N, because I'm a woman. W-O-M-E-N. Um, I'm just going to grab a water really quickly because I'm thirsty. Okay. Do it, do it, do it. 
she's doing a poo. Come on in. So I actually um, had this in my list to do. Bloody surprise you didn't steal it. And um, uh, and I've had it there for a while. And since I had it there, um, I've seen so many things about this woman. And um, is it Roosevelt? Is it no. Rosalind Franklin Roosevelt? No, it's not. Is it Oprah? No, it's not. No, no. Uh, so um, yeah, but I keep seeing her, and I don't know. You know, you know how with social media is listening and blah blah blah. I think. I'm just getting fed a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Even on TikTok, I've got something about Can I her. guess who it is? Yeah. Come right. on. Well, come yeah. on. Give me clues. Well, that's the whole point of the, me telling you the story. Oh, is it a woman? Yes. <laughs> Do I have a moustache? <laughs> Playing guess who? <laughs> <laughs> have I got blonde hair? Do I have glasses? No. Um... Okay, I'm going to take you on a little history lesson because you know I like to do a little introductory history lesson at the start. And today we're going to talk about flying and aviation. Is it Amelia Earhart? It's not. (gasps) Is it the other one? It's not. (laughs) So back in the day... um, People, the, the thought of flight sort of is... Is this in, the black woman? Who it's not. <laughs> so I was going to do her. No. So humans have always had a fascination with flight ever since um, the sport of balloon jumping started. Balloon jumping? You jump over balloons? It would... Uh, you would attach yourself to a big giant airbag with a wooden... Thing and you would just bounce along and you let the air take you, what, like a parachute. Yeah, but it was like an, it was like a hot air balloon slash parachute slash hand glider because you kind of just flew by and them. just normal air because they didn't put hot air in it. They didn't have any yeah any like hydrogen air and stuff. Wow. So so there was that. Then there was um, something known as tower jumping. So uh, you've probably seen those old photos of the men who put the <laughs> wings yes. on themselves and yes. they would jump and it was a thing called tower jumping and they would try to see, um, you know, if they jumped off and they flapped their wings just with manned power that they would tower. try and oh, manned power off the tower that they um, would try to, to achieve fly. flight. Which And did they end up calling it um, tower jumping to death? Yeah, because it typically resulted in fatal, <laughs> fatal um, injuries. Tower jumping to your death. That's it, that's it. Um, and then in about 1801, a guy... Um, had developed uh, a glider and he went for a 300 metre glide uh, off the city walls of, uh, it looks like somewhere in uh, France, and he just broke one leg on arrival. So they were like, well, you know what? Yeah, we're getting pretty, we're, getting, we're there. getting there, we're getting there. That reminds me actually gliding. Mm. There's a, I'm just letting the listeners know 
Oh, back in the day mm. when we used to go out and get on the turps, mm. you knew when Annie was really drunk, like she was a smashed potato, when she'd start doing rock and roll knee slides. Oh, yeah. Oh, she God. regretted that every time the next day. Bruises on my knees and holes in my jeans. But, mm. God, I used to do it. Mm. I love it. Bloody love a knee slide across the dance floor. We'll have to get you to do one one day. Oh, can you imagine? And I we'll would never up. get up off the floor again. Your knees would be bung. I don't think I could do it. So let's flash forward to uh, December 1903 when the Wright brothers invented the first powered aircraft. Wilbur and Orville. That's a great name. Right. Um, Now their parents and also their parents' parents were very active in social uh, reform movements in the 19th century. They were into the abolition of slavery and women's rights. And it was actually their mother who they often went to for mechanical advice. Well. You don't get to all that story in the history books. No, you certainly do not. So, um, yeah, and then from from there, more planes, bigger engines, bigger planes. We did that episode with the woman who, um, Hetty, was it Hetty? Did she have something to do with the bird, the shape of a bird and a fish and her wings? She invented a plane that looked like a bird and a fish. And a fish. Yeah. Until where we are today, now we've got people going out of space. She designed it for for that guy that Leonardo played. Yes. What's his name? Don't know. Kersey. We remember her name, though, don't yeah, we? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so um, I'm going to tell you the story about Robin Elizabeth Miller. She was born on the 8th of September 1940 in Subiaco in Perth. She was a Virgo. There you go. Her father, Horace, <gasps> or Horatio, or otherwise known as Horry. Horry. Was an or was was an aero was was a aeronautical engineer. That's aeronautical. Nautical is, aeronautical is water, engineer. Isn't it? Yeah, Air because is, is up nautical down because um, they used to land planes on the water. Oh right, 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 right. Seaplane. Yeah. Yeah, and he was the founder of the Mac Robertson Miller Aviation Company in Western Australia in the 1920s. Uh, This later turned into Mac Robertson Miller Airlines, or MMA, which was affectionately called the Mickey Mouse Airlines. It was established in Australia in the late 1920s. Um, And his company was backed by a chocolate millionaire. (gasps) Was it Cadbury? Sir. Was it Daryl Lee? No. It was, was it Hershey? No. I've, I've run out. It was McPherson Robinson, so hence the McRobertson Miller, Miller Airlines. The airline's initial services were between Adelaide and Broken Hill and the airline grew rapidly mm. and in 1934 they transferred their main base to Perth um, after they won a Commonwealth Government contract for air services in the northwest of Western Australia and the Northern Territory. Mm. Later on, the airline was uh, renamed again to Mac Robinson Miller Airline Services and became a vision and became a division. <laughs> of, vision. I became a became vision. A division of things. Became a division of ANSET. Airlines. Yes, I was 
Uh, yes, I was going to say that. Yes. Now, from a very, very early age, Robin, his daughter, um, was introduced to aviation because of this and she would go flying with her dad quite often and her sister has said in an interview that Robin thought it was absolutely wonderful and so from a very little age she had the experience of flying with her dad. Her mum was Dame Mary Durack. Now, I've never heard of Dame Mary Durack, but I did she a little bit of research. She was part of Lucy's the Durack family. Big family. Who were a big, big, very big, wealthy family. Um, and But she was a writer, a really well-known writer, and she wrote a number of books portraying her life, growing up with Indigenous people um, who worked on or lived near the station that she grew up on. Her books are notable for their portrayal of the role of women and families in the pastoral industry and the collaboration and respect between pastoralists and local Aborigines. So her most famous book is the story of her family's history, beginning with um, the mid-19th century migration from Ireland um, to Australia. It's called Kings in Grass Castles, and she then wrote a sequel called Sons in the Saddle. I'd love to read those books. I think they would be amazing. I will. So Robin grew up on her family's seven million acre Kimberley pastoral property. Wow. Where she developed a profound connection to the land and the Indigenous people. Now, I looked into this because I thought, how bloody big is seven million acres? That'd be all of WA, wouldn't it? So a football field is, because I love how we just compare everything to football fields in Australia. So a football field is about 1.3. So think seven million of those football fields plus point three. Yeah, jeez, that's WA. That's half of WA. That goes to show you just how big this country is, especially WA. Like it's it's half the country. It's pretty much half the country. What's well, a th- it third? Is. Oh, Nearly. Yeah. Um, so she quickly found uh, a love for flying ofs because of her dad, and you know living out there in the in the in the back country and she wanted to get into aviation as a career however we know where this is going women are not allowed aviation was not seen as a suitable job for women they're just so, too emotional they're too I mean, emotional they're too gentle they get their like yeah. periods yeah and, and stuff. they're just they're too, they're too neat just, you can't ugh. be that neat in the sky no exactly so she thought um that she'd have absolutely no hope of flying as a job. So instead she thought she would do something sensible and she got into nursing instead. Oh, yeah, that's a very honourable thing to do. Yeah. Whatever. So in spite of this, she still took her, took her flying seriously and she managed to obtain her private licence for flying in 1963. She trained at the Royal Perth Hospital and she graduated in 1964 as a triple certificated nurse. Wow. Which included midwifery. Ooh, baby deliverer. Babies. That's going to be important later on when captures in the story. So after she graduated, she got a job working as a surgery nurse for Dr. Dix. No. Go on then. Go on. Was he a dick doctor? <laughs> or did he just have a dick name? It's His name was Dix, Harold Dix. Dr. Dix. D-I-C-K-S? Yep. Get all of the jokes out now because... Dr. Dix. We've got to keep bringing him up. Do you know there's a dentist out in Manly on Sydney Road? You've probably seen it in the glass window. It says Mm -hmm. dental place, 
with Dr. Pecker. Now, it wasn't a um, coincidence that Dr. Dix was an approved aviation medical examiner and that he also just happened to be the president of the Royal Flying, flying Doctors. Doctors. I was going to say, was he part of the Flying Doctors? In WA. Now, for those that don't know and any of our international listeners, because I think we've got a couple from Ireland and a few from Brazil, hello and welcome. Hola. Um, the Royal Flying Doctor Service uh, is an um, organisation that assists country Australians across 7.69 million square kilometres with a 24-hour Aereo medical emergency service that they can uh, reach anywhere, no matter how remote and within hours. Before the Flying Doctor Service, there was little medical help for people who lived in places that were far from the city. So if they were seriously injured, mm. they'd have to travel hundreds of kilometres by horse or cart or camel to mm. reach um, a doctor and they would normally die. So after a Kimberley stockman uh, called Jimmy Darcy suffered a massive internal uh, injuries on the 29th of July 1917 when his horse fell on him, um, his death attracted national headlines and uh, spurred on someone called Reverend John Flynn to create the Flying Doctors. Good idea. Yeah. So it was Mr Dr. Dix, I should say. It was Dr. Dix who... Um, <laughs> so it was Dr. Dix who encouraged her to get her commercial pilot licence, which oh. she did. Uh, and then despite having numerous interviews, nobody would employ a female pilot. Mm. So, um, again, flying wasn't considered an appropriate career for a lady. And it didn't matter how qualified she was. Um she got turned down. She even applied for a job at her father's airline, Mickey Mouse. Got turned down. She got turned down, oh, even though her fucked. father was the founding director. Did he not have any pull? No, he didn't, which is kind of cool. I mean, not cool, but kind of yeah, like, well, you know, she's not going to. I mean, if she's going to be, you know, discriminated on her own by merit, everyone, merit. she may as well be discriminated by everyone. By everyone, exactly. Yeah, no special treatment here. Yeah. For my daughter. We're going to say no f to you. Mm. Sorry, just having the water. So in the 1950s, Australia is hit with a polio epidemic. Oh, that's awful. And between 1950 and 1954, there's around 12,000 cases of the disease and about 680 people die of mm. polio. And it's estimated that uh, anywhere between... 20 to 40,000 Australians developed paralytic polio between 1930 and 1988. Mm. Um, now, in 1966, WA was hit with a second wave. We know what that's all about, a second wave. We certainly do. Of the polio epidemic. And because WA was so sparsely populated at the time, they suffered an enormous disproportionate number of cases. So everyone seemed to know someone who had contacted polio. Now we know why WA was so strict with their yeah. orders. <laughs> Bloody oath, exactly. So although there had been a vaccine developed um, for polio about a decade earlier during the first wave, um, distributing it to um, the dispersed rural communities in mm. WA's north was a significant challenge. Mm. The vaccine was invented by a guy called Jonas Salk um, and it had to be intravenously administered. Um, and 
most of the people in the cities were able to be immunised, but not in remote areas and certainly not the Aboriginal communities. Mm. So in the 1960s, a new vaccine is uh, developed. It's introduced and it could be taken orally. So Robin comes up with a plan. Dun, 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 dun. After she obtains it obtains her commercial pilot's licence mm. and... Remember, she's also a trained nurse. nurse. Oh, I hope Dr. Dix comes back in. She comes up with a radical plan. She suggests to the health department that she go out into the remote areas and give them the immunisation herself. So she borrows enough money to buy a plane for herself mm-hmm. and she um, goes to the government and she says, this is my idea. I'm going to go... On, in my plane by myself and I'm going to administer the vaccines. And it's an idea that's too good to refuse. So she's appointed as the flying nurse to carry out mass immunisation in the outback communities. She purchases a Cessna 182 <gasps> and she sets out on her first flight on the 22nd of May 1967. Oh. Now, because the vaccine could be taken orally, she thought that she would drip the vaccine onto a sugar cube to take away the bitter taste. And um, this is where she gets the nickname Sugarbird Lady. Oh. Sugarbird Lady, hi. Sugarbird Lady, hi. Sugarbird Lady. Sugarbird Lady, hi. That was me doing. You're doing um, Tatum. Tatum. Um, Sugarbird Lady. So she got, the, um, she got that nickname because the Aboriginal children would yeah. see her coming in um, through the skies and and the, and they were giving her sugar. They couldn't say sugar at the time, so they used to call her the Chuga Bird Lady um, and it was spelled T-C-H-O-O-G-E-R, Chuga Bird Lady. Um, so in 1967, she starts her immunisation program. She flies solo. She services her plane on her own. She pushes out her plane on her own. She polishes the inside and the outside. She keeps it meticulous and she keeps it in operating order. Um, she's paid two shillings and 20 cents per mile. So she saves up enough money again to buy a new plane that will go faster mm-hmm. so she could do more miles in less time and get paid more money. The conditions that she worked under were horrendous. It was hot. It was dirty. She would sometimes have to fly through storms. Um, She's on her own, remember? Um, And she'd have to make quick decisions about where to land um, just in the outback. There were no airports and Mm. she would just have to make, you know, um, really, you know, could be devastating decisions about where Mm. to land the plane. She was always on call um, and she flew in all types of weather, responding to also responding to a range of emergencies and coping with um, difficult or frightened patients. She was described as being tall, tall, fair and elegant. She was conscientious, cheerful and popular. And reacting to those who expected her to don's men's clothing, she um, ended up wearing skirts rather than trousers because she wanted to... um, maintain that she could still get the job done by if she was wearing a skirt and she would didn't didn't have to wear men's clothing to um to get the job to done get so the job done. all of the photos of her she's wearing you know it's in the 60s and 70s she's wearing a little skirts little pencil skirts um and 
she also started doing eye examinations. She was looking after injuries or any illnesses and she would pick people up and fly them to the nearest um, hospital. So over several several years, she single-handedly helped to eradicate polio with her immunisation program. Wow. When she was done, she had covered half the state and she ended up immunising 37,000 <gasps> doses. No way. Of That's incredible. the vaccine to mining camps, settlements and remote communities. She flew roughly 43,000 miles or 69,000 kilometres. Wow. During the wet season, um, when she couldn't continue her program, Dr. Dix, here he is, asked her if she wanted to join him on a flight to the US to pick up a plane for the raw flying doctors um, and fly at home. So she agreed and in 1967 she flew a plane from Oakland, California to Perth. She continued to help Dr. Dick with his flight transfers and flight pickups. Well, they call it ferrying, flight ferrying, plane ferrying. Um, And sometimes she would travel as far as um, Paris. So in 1968, she did a a solo flight where she brought back a single engine horizon from Paris to Perth. Wow. From Paris to Perth. From Paris to Perth. uh, In all, they delivered nine airplanes throughout uh, her career. And um, not surprisingly, after all that airtime together... Robin (gasps) and Dr. Dix. There's going to be two dicks now, isn't there? They get married. Two dicks. In 1970, Frey. Robbie Dick and Dr. Dix. That's it. They have a very private ceremony just at a registry office. It's all just very, you know. Sweet. Yeah, very sweet. They were very much in love. Um, Now, and if um, getting married wasn't enough in 1973, she thought, what else can I do this year? Because I just haven't done enough. So her and a friend, Rosemary, decide to enter the Powder Puff Derby. Now, the Powder Puff Derby. Oh, sounds interesting. (laughs) Was a transcontinental air race. And um, it was originally called the Jacqueline Cochrane all-woman transcontinental air race, but then it was dubbed later by a humorist um, it, yeah, as the powder puff derby because making a little bit of fun of the women and their powder puffs. Oh, right. Get it? Powder puff derby. Um, and just as a side note, Jacqueline Cochran, who also is an amazing woman, um, pioneered women's aviation. She was one of the most prominent racing pilots of her generation. She set many records. She was the first woman to break the sound barrier wow. in 1953. She was going to be my next week's one, but I won't do her oh, anymore. Whoops. <laughs> No, just joking. Uh, so um, the race discontinued after 30 years because of insurance premiums and rising costs. Um, her and her friend came sixth in that race out of 36 um, starters. So she did pretty Very good. good. Uh, so she had a roughly, um, you know, thousands and thousands of miles under her belt now and she was had developed a solid relationship with the people in WA's uh, remote regions and she was finally offered a position with the Royal Flying Doctors Service. Finally. Unlike the majority of her predominantly male colleagues, Robin could do it all. She could fly mm. the plane mm. and she could also 
be the nurse. So she often flew solo. Mm. And she could do doctor things as well because she's yeah. trained so well, but she's also married to a doctor. She's so married to a doctor. She was a surgical so nurse. so much. And midwifery, don't forget, which oh, that's right. leads me on to this. On one occasion, Robin was flying a pregnant woman when the patient went into labour. No probs. No. Robin says she puts the plane into autopilot, <gasps> delivers the baby <gasps> in the back. In midair. When the mother and the baby are both safe and well, she returns to the cockpit and lands the plane. God damn it. Mic drop. Boom. Boom drop. Now, Robin fit a lot into her short, short. life. Brace oh. yourself. In May 1974, Robin discovered a lump in her thigh and she found out she had a melanoma and she had it removed. But in 1975, just one day short of her 35th birthday, Mm. she passes away. Oh, that's awful. 34. Yeah, 34. She didn't even make it to 35. Mm. Day shy. And she did all that. That is incredible. I'm imagining... All of that that you just said, I'm imagining by now She's we've got a life. woman in her 60s. I know. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. Incredible. She's a triple certificate degree. Yeah. And she's still yeah. only 12. So she, yeah. like she then went on. She went on to single-handedly eradicate polio in Western Australia. Can you wow. believe it? So um, she's posthumously awarded... Um, Lots of awards, like from the um, Aeronautical Federations. She's a- awarded a Bra Basin Cup by the Women's Pilot Association of Great Britain. Um, and there's actually a representation of one of her aircrafts at yeah. Jandicott Airport in Perth. I was going to say, I hope there's a statue of her over yeah. WA. Well, there's a, there's a representation of her plane there. I want to see a statue of Robin. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, She kept very detailed diaries and she ended up actually releasing a book in 1971 called The Flying Nurse, So, um, which is amazing. I've I've heard little snippets of it and it's incredible because she she wrote really detailed diary entries. Um, And her husband, Harold, also, Dr. Dix, also compiled a book in 1979 um, called The Sugar Bird Lady. (gasps) And it includes, yeah, it includes a lot of her um, manuscripts and also um, her diary entries as well that she had done after 71. So that is the story of Robin Miller, the sugar bird lady. What an amazing story. What a sad. I know. Yeah, amazing. Like it goes to show just how much a a human can do Mm -hmm. in life. Yep, exactly. And just such a huge problem that, I mean, you know, we look at the pandemic now and we think, God, what a huge problem. And she came up with a a really obvious, simple solution. You know what really annoys me? People who are anti-vax. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for free speech and I'm all for make up your own mind and do your own research. God, that's such a farce. But, Mm, mm, you know, mm. polio is one thing that has proven immunisation works, vaccines work, saves yeah. so many lives. And polio was such a horrific... Yeah, it really was. 
I mean, it's still around. That's the thing is that Disease. a lot of anti-vaxxers will say, never eradicated it. No, we know we haven't eradicated anything, but we've saved so many future lives from mm. um, having vaccines. And I mean, 36,000 yeah. immunizations from one person mm. to save so many people from such a hideously painful yeah. disease. And there's still people alive who grew up. Yeah. And are alive because of her. Wow. You know? Um, but yeah, like I had a look into polio and oh, yeah. And the iron lung. The iron lung. The machine mm. that they would put these poor children yep. into and yep. sometimes for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like That's a breathing right. machine to keep because we didn't have ventilators back That's then. Right. And there's um, one of the articles I read, there's just there's horrendous photographs of all, like just hospitals lined with children yeah. who were yeah. put in leg braces and back braces. And there's a photograph of about five children who are allowed down at the beach and they're on their stomachs with the braces, like the brace, the whole body yeah, brace, yeah. but they're just on their stomachs and they're just playing in the, oh at, the foot, at the water. It's just heartbreaking. So this is the stuff that needs to be seen. Mm. This mm. is what happens when we don't have, not cures, but yeah. where we don't have, you know, science in place yeah. that can make a huge difference. I remember like those photos, they're so chilling to see that kind of thing. I remember yeah. seeing photos of lined up children in beds who were all in um, hypoglycemic comas oh. from diabetes. Yeah, right. Before, and they would just wait to, for them to die yeah. because there was no nothing to do. And then someone created man-made insulin, yes. which is something we create and type right. 1 diabetics can't, they don't make it. Yes. So right. until someone created a formula mm. replica mm. of what we do ourselves, they would just go in. And this this one photo I've seen of children just in an old hospital, in a in their co diabetic comas, oh. and that's how it was for the longest time. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. And to think, uh, medical medi medical. And science, what it's done, yeah, is incredible. Incredible. We need to, you know, be paying more yays to these Absolutely. amazing people. Absolutely, saving lives and the people who are flying them around to deliver these kind of medicines. Yeah, saving lives. And the royal flying doctors as well. I don't think that gets oh. enough bloody credit. You know. Incredible. Absolutely. Grant Bowler, when he was in Flying Doctors. Oh, sure. Flying Doctors. Tell you God, I that. I wonder if, because um, I was thinking about this, I wonder if... Like Becky it's, Kidney, it's a, I think she was in it, wasn't she, Flying Doctors? I think so. Mm. Is it like an Australian thing? Yeah. No, I mean only an Australian thing. Like, do, do like, is there like the American... Versions, yeah, there would like be. Like all of that? I, yeah, I think in South Africa. They would they, have to. They've got their own and, yeah. Yeah. Ours is ours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the end. Goodbye. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We've only got um, two more episodes left. I know. In this season. Yeah. So. So exciting. It's very exciting. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back for season two. Look at you. You've got to the end. So if you're still listening, we're just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me. 
Evie Jones and of course Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com.